bow your head with me. Lord, Father, we come to you this morning. We want to thank you for a blessed morning we have to be here to listen to your word be taught. We just pray that uh, for our prayer list, Lord, that uh, everyone on it, you know the situation, that you would uh, put your hand into that situation and heal what is your will. Lord, we pray that uh, you uh, put John out of the way and you just bring your message through him in a way that you want us to hear it. Our hearts are opened, our eyes are opened, we're here to accept it, and that someone really walks out of here with a with a great heart this morning. We say these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's uh, it's so crazy how the Holy Spirit works. Um, uh, we're going to go through the 23rd Psalm a little bit as the day goes on, um, but I'm also going to start with our little guys here today, our... Uh, our verse, our verse that I want to go to is the last, the last verse in the 23rd Psalm. And I want to read that to you. And so if we could plop that up there on the board, that would be amazing. And keep your finger on that page because we'll eventually get back there again. But this is the verse I want you guys to think about right here. And, and I love this because you're at the beginning. You guys here are at the beginning of your life journey. Some of us here are towards the end of our life journey. Some of us are kind of in the middle. I'm kind of middle late. Um, but, but we're all at different stages. But you guys are really exciting. You were at the beginning. And here at verse 6, Psalms 23, 6, it says, Surely your, meaning God's, surely you, God, your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. I want you to know that no matter what you do or what, what you're fixing to do, the mistakes you're fixing to make and the good things you do in all of that, the living God, it will pursue you. He will be following you. He will be ahead of you, behind you. He will be with you in and out of all of that. And then it says this, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Right there, the psalmist, I think it was David, but what he was saying is, I know you're going to follow me no matter what I do, but I am making a commitment to being in your house because I know things are going to work better for me if I'm in your house. So the question is, where is his house? What do you say? In the sky. His house is in the sky. You're right, it's heaven. And his house is here. Right now we're in his house. But I want to take another step either, even further forward than that. If you're pursuing him, he's pursuing you. If you're pursuing him, everywhere you go is his house. So every time you are inside or outside, you are in his presence. And if you're in the motion, if you're in the action of pursuing him, you are in his house. So no matter where you are, if you're pursuing him, you're dwelling in the house of the Lord. I want to pray over you guys as you go on to youth group and then uh, ranch kids, and then we're going to go forward. Father, I just thank you so much for these young people, and I just praise you that you've given us this awesome responsibility right here at the beginning of their journey 
to plant truth in them, to plant good seeds in them. Father, we don't deserve that. But through your grace, you have granted us this wonderful privilege. I pray that we would do it right as a body, that we would lead them correctly, that we would inspire them, that we would show them in our actions just how crazy exciting it is to be in your presence. And I pray a special blessing upon them, and I pray that you would protect their comings and their goings. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Today I want to talk to you. I had Gracie bring. She, uh, it's been a great weekend because she come home from college this weekend. And, and uh, I knew for the last several days, I knew that I w- what I was going to talk about. And uh, come out here a little bit. And a great way for me to, uh, to get started is I had her bring three horses from the house. Two of them are hers and uh, one of them is mine. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm just going to tell you the story of three horses, the tale, if you will, of three horses here. And uh, the one, the goofiest of them all is the one that she's on. That's why she's still on her because she'd probably be rearing up in here or something silly if she was on her own. She's, and she's also the oldest. She's also the one that we've had the longest. And I want to tell you her story. I got her. I first got her when she, it was early in her three-year-old year. And uh, um, the reason that I got her is because she was goofy. Other people weren't getting along with her. And she made a lot of bad, mis- she made a lot of bad choices along in there in her silliness. She would get overdramatic, and not just everybody could get along with her. Matter of fact, at that stage of her life, nobody had gotten along with her. In her life's journey, I liked her. I kind of like eccentric. I like the challenging ones, the, the horse that's hard to get to, that guy that wouldn't step in church if his life depended upon it. I love those. I like that challenge. I'm called to them. So I started, I put her on cattle more. She has already started on cattle. And uh, I liked her. I liked her. I liked her as a cutting horse. She had a lot of style, a lot of stop, a lot of draw. And the further we went, the more she trusted me. And she became a really nice horse. Gracie got to start showing her. And along, she was actually Gracie's 16th birthday present. Everybody gives their kid a car. We give ours a horse. But that, um, anyways, and she showed her. Later on, as she went on to school, college, advanced school, she was part of the ranch horse team. She was the horse that she had, so she started trying to uh, use this mare in the ranch horse competitions. And I'm going to tell you what she was. What she was was not very good. Um, <laughs> she was real good in the cow work, and Gracie would, and her would excel in the cow work and the dry work. Not too good. And sh- she really didn't like it. She did it because she respected Gracie. But it wasn't in her calling. It wasn't in her gifting. It wasn't what she was created to do. Later, as Gracie's desire to rope more, she started roping on her, breakaway roping. And, and I'm going to tell you that, that the mayor has taught Gracie a lot in her, in her roping. She, she, uh, she learned how to take one that had never been 
out of the box and get her started in the box. And she's roped a lot on her. And I'm going to tell you what she is as a breakaway horse. Not very good either. <laughs> she's too slow. She wants to. She has a heart for it. But to really go to that next level, she's not fast enough. Um, however, as a cutter, she's pretty darn nice. Lots and lots of expression. Stops really hard. All the things we like, she, she rates a cow really good. She has a look about her that people like to, like to see. And in this part of her life, because of the way things turn, she's going to get the privilege of being shown again as a cutting horse. Even though she had all of these experiences, the gifting that she had was still inside of her. And she's going to get to explore that. I'm going to tell you about this other mare. This mare here is a half-sister to her, probably seven-eighths if you get right down to it. And I trained her to cut right from the start. She was really, really gentle as a two-year-old, not near as silly as her sister, really cowy, has, had a nice way of being. But somehow through the circumstances that I trained her in, I could never get her... If you wanted to, solid enough. She was really solid. She just wasn't careful enough. She would, in cutting, they have to be really accurate to be very competitive. And through all of her style and all of her cowiness, she's not very accurate. And because of that, she has never got to go to a show one time as a show horse because I just know that she wouldn't beat anybody because she's going to make some big mistake out there that's going to take her out of the deal. It'd be a waste of money. Along the way, I've used her for everything in the world ranch-wise. She's a great using ranch horse. I mean really good, exceptional, one of the best that I've ever rode. And I'll tell you what else she is, is she's a darn nice head horse. And she can really run. Now she's seven-eighths sister to this other mare that can't run enough. And she's got plenty of run and has, has a good way of being, never gets... Never gets outside of her head when she's doing it. For all of her silliness, as a cutter, she stays in the box. When you, when, you, when, you come out of, when you come out of the head box on the head side, I thought she was probably a heel horse. She's just mediocre at it. But as a head horse, she's pretty nice. And she uses her mind really well through the whole thing. Interesting, her journey... And though they're related, though they come from the same genetics, completely different. Gifting, completely different, everything about them. And then there's a roan horse over here, and, and we've had him since he was four. And uh, I, Gracie was looking for, because her mare wasn't good enough uh, as a ranch competition horse, we were looking for something that would do the dry work. And, and I had the privilege of seeing this horse at a Al Dunning clinic and, and uh, we bought him and he's done nothing but he's done nothing but every time that him and Gracie get together they're successful in the ranch competition deal we don't really know what else he can do because we've really focused on those things and it's kind of interesting to me how these other two horses had trouble finding their gifting and he just kind of fell into it and has been been in that groove his entire life and is even now he's what is he six or seven six fixing to be seven and he's still getting better 
and he's still and his and the things that he's winning that he's winning are becoming more prestigious along the way he's really excelling still um and i i found that really interesting how in his gifting he just fell into it from the beginning he had a guy that trained him really well in the in the in the at the start but wasn't able to show him much and then just through god's grace we ended up with him and gracie's been showing him and doing really well um and the mare she's on she had trouble in the beginning was a troubled child you know she was in juvenile detention the whole time and then we got her and she come out of juvenile detention she found her calling and along the way she kind of got lost and now she's going to go back into it and this other mare i was so sure that she was going to be an amazing cutting horse i'd never even had a clue that what she really was was a darn nice head horse but uh, along the way so she'd been bumping against but never really finding her way until recently so it is with us on our journey and i think about i don't know if y'all know it but next weekend next sunday john paul will have been in front of you for a year And nobody is more surprised about that than me. <laughs> and you guys are still coming. That's just crazy. Um, but I think back, you know, Tammy and I have been married fixing to be 26 years. Here in a few days, 26 years. 26 years ago, you couldn't have told by looking at me that this would have been the path or the journey. I mean, no part of it. I couldn't get through a sentence without a four-letter explicitive. Um, most of them began with F, but I'm just saying. I know that shocks me too now. That guy's different, but that's the way it was back then. <laughs> We're not asking you. <laughs> He's got this message he thinks that's got that word in it. I'm like, No. Um, but you, it, it, you couldn't have told by looking at me that this would be the way. And along the ways, along the journey from then till now, I've made huge mistakes, lots of them. And none of them disqualified me for the calling that God put on me. In the new year that we're coming to, I feel more than called. I feel obligated. I feel like I would be not only doing you a disservice, but I would be being disobedient if I don't lead you into a place where you can start taking a hold of first your gifts, what you're, what you're good at, and then from that, your calling. And there's a difference. First of all, 26 years ago, nobody knew, including me, that I could speak at all and that God would tune me around to where that wouldn't be terrible is even more shocking but just because I had that gift inside of me to public speak you still wouldn't have picked up on is that me or um, I still wouldn't have picked up on that I would be ever be called 
to be, and even a year ago, I was thinking about it, this last weekend we were in Amarillo, and I was there a year ago. I couldn't imagine how in just, a, just two short weeks, how dramatically my life was fixing to change. So, you just don't know what's coming around the corner or how God's going to open up your calling. So, you've, you've got your talents, which we're going to explore into the new year. And I want you, as a body, I want you to start getting ready. You can't just show up one day. Does anybody in here grow wheat? I'm going to tell you what, I don't know anything about it. It takes a tractor and some equipment, and I hate all that stuff, okay? But I do know this, that you can't just show up one day and plant wheat and show up a few days later and harvest it. It just don't work that way. You've got to have the soil ready. Then you've got to do some other things, spray, fertilize, plant. Things got to lay right. It starts to grow. It's still got to lay right, and eventually there's a harvest. So it is with us. So as we get ready, and the reason I'm telling you all this today as we go into this message is this. I want you, I'm, I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you to start praying now. For when we get to the new year, we're going to start into a new you. We're going to explore your gifts. We're going to explore how you are made and as I'm learning how to teach that right, and then as we go beyond that, then we're going to go into your gifting, and then from there we're going to go into your calling. Never before have I even imagined being that prepared ahead of time to plan this far out. But the Holy Spirit's been after me for almost a year now that this is what I'm supposed to do with you all, that I'm, I'm help you get to what you're called to do. And the amazing thing, if, I'm going to tell you right now, that if God can do something incredible with John Paul, he's going to do something absolutely amazing with y'all. I want to go to a story. So as I go forward right here, let's, let's go to uh, Acts 9. I want you to read this story with me. Nutty story. Crazy story. My pants are too tight, she said. <laughs> that is not it. That, I'm just telling you right now, that ain't it. Here, look. Thank you. So, right here at, right here at Acts 9, I want to read this story to you. And this is, this is craziness. Nobody could have seen this coming. And I'm going to tell you right now, the, the calling in you... Probably nobody sees it coming either. Nobody can pick it. We can see your gifting, but how God's going to use it, we don't know. All I, just, all I know is that it is going to change a lot of lives if we go at this earnestly and seriously. But let's read this story about old Saul. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats. This is 9-1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters and, and, and addressed 
to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, the followers of Christ, he found there. He wanted to bring them both, men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. First of all, I want you to understand why Paul and why he was going to the religious leaders of that time. The reason that he did that in that way is because he thought he was serving God. He had a desire to serve God. Which is also why I believe that God chose him and why the rest of the story unfolds the way it does. He wasn't trying to be against God, though he was. He had a desire. He was very zealous in his desire. But he thought if he could get rid of those Christians that were making a nuisance, that he could be serving the Lord better. God straightens him out in his calling, and nobody could see it. Read with me. Verse 3. As he, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down upon, around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Bear with me here. He remained there blind for three days. He did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he re replied. Ananias was used to having a two-way conversation with the living God, which is where I want you to get from now till the first of the year. I want you to start getting in a two-way conversation. Most of us start in a one-way where we tell him what we think and what we want, what we need. And then we tell him again. And again and again and again. Most of us have not yet gotten used to being in a two-way conversation. Some have. If you're one of those, help those around you get there. We're going to get in a two-way here, please. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias, Yes, Lord, he replied. Verse 11. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. It's interesting that God knew that Ananias was going to struggle here, and so he starts out giving him enough information that he can buy in. Ananias still struggling in 13 says, but Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon his name. He's like, God, are you sure? I know you're calling me, but it's crazy. Are you sure? 15. But the Lord said, go. For Saul, listen to this. 
But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as all the people as of Israel. The living God chose Saul for a purpose. The living God chose you for a purpose. You've got a purpose in you, and a lot of you here don't know what that is yet. Some of you know some of your gifting. Some of you have a glimpse into your purpose. Some of you don't have any of either of those yet. But we're going to get there. But it's going to take you seeking him first. First of all, this two-way conversation before that, earnestly seeking to please him. What it is it that you want from me, Lord? I'm going to keep reading just a little bit longer here, and then I'm going to go to First uh, John. But, but the Lord said, Go to Saul, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take the message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as the people of Israel. 16 is crazy, and this is a reason most of us don't do it. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. Listen right here. And I will show him how, he mu- how much he must suffer for my namesake. Paul still did it. He was Saul. He'll soon become Paul. He still did it. Why would he do that? Because it was worth it. Even when he knew how much he was going to suffer. It was worth it. Because he was truly, finally living. He knew that he'd been missing along the way. You can't tell me he didn't know that he'd been missing the mark. He just couldn't figure out why. If you don't yet know what your calling is, you've gone this far in your life, and you've been missing, and you know it. It's not quite what you think it should be. And you're frustrated or angry or lonely. And you're not sure why. Paul, Saul, was in this same boat. But I'm going to tell you, when the Lord showed him how much he was going to suffer for him, he also got a glimpse of what he was called to do. And in that calling... It was so invigorating. It was so fulfilling. It was so purposeful that that didn't matter no more. It was worth it. It was worth it to him. It's worth it to me. For those amongst us right here that know their calling, it's worth it to them. And it's going to be worth it to you. I promise you. Test me in this. Seek it out. And the other side, you already know what it's like. It's lonely. It's frustrating. You get mad when you shouldn't get mad. It's because something's missing. Turn with me for a second to 1 John, and then we're going to go to the 23rd Psalm. 1 John 3. 
3.1. See how much, see how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And each of us as children, we have our journey to make. And our mistakes along the way. Like all kids. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children or that they are. I could add that in parentheses because they don't know him. Verse two, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. I always thought this was absolutely talking about the second coming. But I now believe that it's not talking about that at all. I think that this is talking about when Christ appears here. We're like, okay, I get what I'm created to do, and I just want to do that. We didn't know what we would be like until we find our gifting. We find our, what we are, how we're made, but then more importantly, what we, we find our calling. The things, the crazy stuff that he's going to ask us to do that we never imagined dear friends we are already god's children but we but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when we get it when christ appears but we but we do know that we will be like him it's going to be good for we will see him as he really is and we will see us as we really are. Three, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. We're not going to do that perfect. I'm just going to break it to you right now. We're going to start in a direction. We're going to stumble in this area. He already knows we're his children. Verse four. And this is why I've been leading to this. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And the reason that I wanted to get here is this. Sin, if you break it down and you go back and our friend Google helps you get there and you, you Google it up, it comes from, from the term missing the mark. Everybody here knows that. And I've preached many, many times that missing the mark, that missing the mark, there's Jesus and there's everything else. So if you're hitting something besides Jesus, you're missing the mark, you're sinning. But suddenly this last week, as I prepared this message or as he prepared it in me, I suddenly got a whole new thing in my head. If we have a calling and we're not getting to that calling are we not missing the mark? There's a whole life waiting for us. And we're not going in that direction. Are we missing the mark? It seems like it to me. Are we sinning? It seems like it to me. Has he already made up for all that? He has. And it goes on in, in 1 John to explain that. And it goes on to explain how mightily he loves us and the different he's made up all the difference for us he knows that we've missed it he knows that we're missing it 
but he also is going out of his way to call us into the truth, to call us into who we are, how he made us, so that we can go into our true calling, what he created us for, every one of us. I want you to turn with me now as I close to the 23rd Psalm. I seen this, I saw this, I seen. I'm sorry, you guys are stuck with me in my, there's so many times I'll be, somebody will use a word and I'm like, what does that mean? Listen, I got a 12th grade education, but I wasn't paying any attention the last four. <laughs> I know, I know. I seen this, I saw this. 23rd Psalm. I'm getting there. Sorry. I saw this. As a friend of mine posted this on Facebook, and he, he used this story, and, and, it, and it really struck me about this pastor that went to see this guy that had quit coming to church. And when he got there to see him, he sat down with him. And I don't ever repeat what I say on Facebook, but this was good. So he's there, and he don't say anything. They sit in front of the fire, and he's quiet. He reaches into that fire and he takes out a takes out a coal and he sets it on the mantle and he still don't say anything. And that coal, which was once this is you calling me. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> I thought that was what you were saying, you're like wind it up. Bear with me. I'm about done. Really, I am. In the coal, in the, he sets the coal on the mantle. And it dies. Without saying a word when it comes time to go, he takes the coal and he puts it back to in the fire. And it comes back to life. That's the way it works for us. And then it finished with this breakdown of the 23rd Psalm. And I knew when I read it, I was supposed to share my own version of how it went and it's only six verses babe really <laughs> and the first is and this is this is this is the in the nlt version is oh, oh lord whoops wrong one the lord is my shepherd i have all that i need isn't it interesting that in him being our shepherd suddenly there it when we thought with that life that was frustrating that thing that was lacking when he's truly our shepherd. We have all that we need. There's no more lack. Two, he lets us rest in green meadows. There's healing. He leads, he leads me beside peaceful streams. There's restoration through, through living water. There's life. Three, he renews my strength, more restoration. He guides me along right paths. I quit falling in that same old trap bringing honor to his name and it feels so good with his honor even as i walk through the darkest valley it ain't all going to seem right but it's going to be right and yeah you're going to go through tough times every one of us does and it's still going to be right even when i walk through the darkest valley i will not be afraid for you are close beside me your rod 
your support and your staff, your discipline. Oh, I don't like that one either. But I still find great comfort that he loved me so much that he's going to get after me when I'm off the track. Protect and comfort me. Verse 5. You prepare a feast for me. He's going to exalt me when, I get, when I'm truly using him as my shepherd in the presence of my enemies in the most unlikely of places when people are watching expecting me to come up with something stupid it's going to be amazing because of him through me even when they didn't want it to be so you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies you honor me by anointing my head with oil and the word when i looked at it was constant was one of these words it was consecration consecrate i'm like what does that mean set aside to be to be protected but also to be ordained into what you're called to he is going to call you into something you can't even imagine you are picked you are consecrated you are ordained you prepare a feast for me in the presence of your enemies you honor me by anointing my head with oil my cup overflows with blessings as this happens, it don't get no better. You're like, how could it be better? And then it gets better. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Oh, God, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for not disqualifying me. You are not disqualified. Not one of you is disqualified. You have a calling. And he's waiting for you to seek out who you are and how you're made. And then he's waiting for you to see how he is going to use that in a crazy way and turn the whole world upside down and you are not disqualified. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Pray with me. Father, I love you, and I need you, and I thank you for the truth of your word, and I thank you for the power of your spirit, and I thank you for using, using each of us in such unexpected ways as we seek you. And Father, right now I pray especially for those that are struggling, for those that are hurting for those that know that they're missing it. That you would start preparing them to receive, to receive, to be aware of the gifts you put in them so that once they get an understanding of that, once we understand those gifts, which are kind of unexpected, doesn't matter how we're bred, it matters what you put in us. And Father, then you'll show us how you're going to use it. I thank you for all this. And Father, I pray if there's anybody here right now that has never received you as their Lord and Savior, I pray this very second, they're saying, I'm turning it over to you. This is yours. My body is yours. From this point forward, if I win, I'm yours. If I lose, I'm yours. You just do what you're going to do with it because I know I'll be blessed. 
I praise you for this. In the name of Jesus, amen.